Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, and surprise, our special A-list guest today is none other than Matt Fortuna. Matt, thanks for joining the show. I can only hope this got people as excited uh, <laughs> as we as it was when we teased A-lister Tim Brando on the show around the same time last year, but uh, there's a little bit more to talk about as far as current events relate with Notre Dame, but I promise you um, I would never hype myself up like that. Uh, we will have a couple A-listers. Oh, be fully now. deserved, but, Matt. Between now and the playoff. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I mean, look, I want to remind people, there's a there's a shamrock bump that is very real. Yes. Clark Lee going to Vanderbilt. Now Tom, now Tom Rinaldi, um, you know, taking a step up from ESPN to Fox, you would think. So, just saying. We're the cradle it, of coaches. The Miami, Ohio of, of, of podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure where the special guests we had in mind would go up in the college football media food chain, but I'm just saying, like, if he's looking for looking for a little bump, Shamrock's here for you. We, that 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 we are. Uh, well, I'm happy yes. to be here nonetheless. I'm happy to be talking <laughs> to you nonetheless. And I mean, you said in one of your stories today, signing day is like the third most important thing going on in Notre Dame's world right now, which is absurd. And I mean that in a good way. Uh, oh yeah, big game to talk about. Big defense coordinator search to talk about. Obviously, signing day to talk about. Um, it's refreshing. It's awesome. I, I, I it's. This, this game, I, I don't think we can pump it up enough, so to speak. And uh, personally, like I, I think it's much more um, enjoyable to kind of sit back and just watch two two really good teams play a football game without this being a referendum on Notre Dame football, the program, uh, the way November 7th was, the way Brian Kelly certainly uh, operated under the assumption of while, while dealing with us that week. Um, I, I, Notre Dame – should be in, win or lose. I've seen crazier things happen before, and the committee didn't make any sense with anything this past week, so I'm not going to try to predict things, but um, I, I think they're probably in no matter what. Clemson is making the case already, uh, which is interesting in its own right, that they should be in no matter what. I'm not sure I see, see eye-to-eye with Dabo Swinney on that one, but, um, I mean, what's what's your kind of uh, temperature going into this one as far as all the implications on-field, off-field, and what we'll learn the following day from the selection committee? You know, I hadn't really thought about it the way that you're putting it, but I like I like the idea of this game being sort of, in some ways, low stakes and high stakes mm-hmm. at the same time. You know, low stakes in terms of the playoff for Notre Dame because they should make it win or lose. You know, high stakes because you got a chance to win your one and only conference championship, which is fun. Um, you know, low stakes because finally, for the first time in 11 years, everything is not a referendum on everything else when it comes to Brian Kelly and Notre Dame football. Like we don't even have to have the, should you join a conference conversation <laughs> anymore? Um, yeah. Or whether Notre Dame could make it into the playoff with one loss. So all, all of that is great. I mean, it, it sort of lets you sort of kick back and enjoy the game as a spectacle. Like I don't, I like the playoff. 
what I hate about the playoff is like everything is freaking about the playoff all the time. And so it's weird that a game where two teams who are probably going to make it anyway wouldn't necessarily be about the playoff from kickoff to the end of the game. But yeah, I think they're both probably going to make it. Um, certainly if Clemson wins and hopefully that just lets people enjoy the game for the sake of the game. Like we used to like to watch college football because we like college football not because they were the games were simply data points in the college football playoff positioning game. I mean, think of it. I'm trying to look at this the way I look at college basketball. Like the conference tournaments really don't mean anything, but they're so damn fun. I mean, when Michigan State comes yes. back and beats Michigan at the United Center a couple of years ago, that's awesome. That's a rivalry. That was a huge win, and I was covering that game courtside. Every single person on Michigan State's staff was in tears when they won that game. Like it still means a lot. It's not like Michigan State wasn't going to go to the final four that year if they lost to Michigan that game it had no impact on it um it just means a lot it's fun the Big East tournament is was one of the greatest spectacles in sports and you know, very rarely did it have any impact on what ended up happening um the following week and the following two weeks of March Madness I, I just think it's a really exciting time it's unique because of all the circumstances we just mentioned this is a one-off for Notre Dame um, they've already played this team once before and beaten them, so they know they can do it again. Whether they do or not remains to be seen. Trevor Lawrence brings a whole new dynamic to things. I mean, for all we talked about how good DJ Uyunglele was, I mean, Clemson was not great on third down that game. Trevor Lawrence is great on third down. We're talking about a guy who ESPN's Jets writer, Rich Shimini, had a story on this week saying, like, here are some agents saying he should pull an Eli Manning like, or, or just stay back. For another year so we can't play for the jets i don't think that's going to happen but um you don't have that conversation around anyone who isn't a generational prospect and you can't convince me mm-hmm. he doesn't add points to the board for clemson when he's on the field regardless of how good they played without him uh to say nothing of the defensive switches which are probably going to make a bigger impact when you look at the differences between clemson then and clemson now yeah it's a you know as you're sort of thinking through this game you know, taking notes and going through the depth chart, of like, all right, where is where is Notre Dame better today than they were on November seventh? You know, their offensive line is not better. You lose Jared Patterson, you replace him by Zeke Carell, and then you have to replace him by Josh Lug, who you know is, I believe, expected to start on Saturday, um, based on comments from Kyron Williams and Robert Hainsey during the week. So, you know, not better there. Are their receivers better? They're probably more confident than they were on November seventh. Is Kyron Williams better? I think he's actually maybe a little bit banged up. Um, you know, he didn't have a, a lights-out end of the season after Clemson. Is he in book better? Yes, for sure. Um, I think that's a guy that took the Clemson game and really ran with it um, and sort of recreated it on the other side. Defensively for Notre Dame, I feel like they are better than they were on November 7th. And the reasons would be, one, they know, they know how to stop Travis Etienne because they know how to – beat the crap out of Clemson's offensive line. Like, I don't I don't think that's changing. Like, Clemson's offensive line is not going to get better or more physical from November 7th to December 19th. And then at the back end of the defense, the Clemson game was really sort of the, the beginning of Tariq Bracey at corners downslide in the secondary. That sort of played itself out to the point that they have Clarence Lewis back there now. Um, and while I wouldn't say that starting a, a three-star freshman cornerback is ideal against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, I do think that that position is as settled as it, as it really has been all year in a good way for Notre Dame. So I think the defense is, is probably better than they were on November 7th. And they have to be because, like, being better is, 
what you're trying to improve on is allowing 33 points in regulation to a true freshman quarterback. Um, when you then you swap in the number one pick in the NFL draft, so it's um, it's that's why it's tricky for Notre Dame because I thought they played really well defensively on November seventh, but gave up 33 points in regulation. I'm not sure that I would look at Notre Dame's offense and see 33 points in regulation themselves. That I mean, and like they didn't score 33 the first time around because you had Wusu Koromoa. Maybe you cancel that out with Books fumble at the goal line. That's totally fair, but um, I think Notre Dame's offense is really going to have to step up and play its best game of the season on Saturday. I think for Notre Dame to to score this upset. I agree with you on the defense, and I don't say this to. Uh, get into the hot take realm. I say this because I genuinely believe it, regardless of all the external factors. Notre Dame's best performance this season was the North Carolina game, and I think that's been validated by the way North Carolina has played the weeks after. Obviously, we learned probably everything we needed to learn about how good this Notre Dame team could be when they beat Clemson, who was number one at the time. Um, But the fact is, they've played better since then. The first half of Syracuse, notwithstanding, like they, they did to North Carolina what no one has done to North Carolina in two years. And they did it really with a defense that, again, we, we think is good. We weren't sure it's great, but it's been playing great late uh, as of late and, and looks like it's playing its best ball at the best possible time, which is what it's going to need to do to have a chance mm-hmm. to beat Clemson again. And conversely, on the offense side of the ball, the receivers are better, I think. Kyron, you can debate, but the receivers are better. And Ian Buck from that game on has been a different man. Um, I mean – Think of how much energy and breath and words we wasted picking apart this guy's game. Not necessarily me and you, but everyone before Clemson. I mean, that Yahoo anonymous quote saying Notre Dame would have a better chance with Phil Dracovic at quarterback against Clemson than Ian Book made some waves. Ooh, yeah, and like that was, but like <laughs> it took it, it took me a second for realize that you were talking about Yahoo the publication, not no, Yahoo. No, Pete Thamel from Yahoo quoted a coach. Yeah. And here's the thing: like that wasn't a hot take at the time. Like. That was a real conversation. Really I mean, it's laughable now. It didn't age well at all because Ian Books played so well, and the people of BC will be the first people to tell you that. But, like, that's the conversation that we were having about Notre Dame before November 7th. Yep. The conversation now is, is Ian Book going to be a Heisman finalist if he beats Clemson again? Which is one of the more remarkable, I think, in-season narrative turns, if not on-field football playing turns we've seen because – um, that that was just not even like on anyone's remotely on anyone's radar before the Clemson game. So I think they're they're better in the two most important aspects, which is quarterback and defense. And you know, Grace mm-hmm. Rayner had a great stat in, in your guys' Q and A earlier this week. Do I think Notre Dame bottles up Travis Etienne the way they did last time? Do I think they basically get a fumble, scoop and score, pick six, whatever you want to call it that Jeremiah Usukaramoa had off him like they did last time? No, but. The guy has a run for 100 yards in a game since October 10th, and this was a guy who right. was maybe going to be a first-round draft pick last year if he came out. I don't know if he's banged up. I don't know if the offensive line is just getting worse and worse. But, you know, if Kyron Williams isn't what he was, and I'm not saying he wasn't, he just hasn't, you know, he, he, I think he's showing the, the natural wear and tear of most running backs in December. Travis Etienne sure as hell mm-hmm. isn't doing what he was supposed to do uh, going into that first Notre Dame game. Yeah, it definitely feels like something is broken with Clemson's run game when you, when you look outside of – the Notre Dame performance uh, in bottling up Travis Etienne. And I think that, you know, you mentioned sort of the Yahoo story that Pete Thamel did, like you and I collaborated on one as well. And I, I thought one of the takeaways on that was that Notre Dame's interior defensive line was pretty average, um, that they were going to get opened up a little bit. And that, I mean, that was way off ultimately. Um, that was 
when I when I think back about how we felt about Notre Dame going into that game, I would, despite how good Ian Book was, I thought I was more surprised by how dominant Notre Dame's defensive line was against Clemson's front. Um, that was the big shock to me, and I think much like Ian Book, that is a that's a performance that can be repurposed and repackaged and and put back out there on December nineteenth. That that would not take. Um, you know, really a whiz-bang change of scheme or play call for Notre Dame's defensive line to beat up Clemson in the trenches again. Like, if you got your butts kicked the first time, like Davos Sweeney said, I don't think you can just turn around and not take a whipping the next time because you're trying harder or you want it more or Dabo plays some, like, disrespect card. Because, like, if anything, I feel like Notre Dame goes into this game as the, you know, obviously they're a point spread underdog, but as a perception underdog, maybe even more than 10 points. It's not, it's not quite to the level of like, Oh, you know, Notre Dame get, they get blown out in these games, but the game might as well be sponsored both by Dr. Pepper and well, Trevor Lawrence is playing this time. <laughs> um, Cause that, that's how it's described by everyone right now. And you know, Notre Dame's players, I don't know if you're on their zoom call on Tuesday, but I mean, you could see them also, they were trying to fight back laughing about questions about how great Trevor Lawrence was. Um, it reminded me of the Alabama press corps from 2012 when it was like people were asking Brian Kelly about Alabama and their fire-breathing dragons. Um, <laughs> they were, they were just, fire-breathing dragons that year. <laughs> they, I mean, in fact, that was true. They were fire-breathing dragons. However, um, you know, they're talking about Trevor Lawrence's arm and his legs and his hair and just like, what a, what a Greek god this man is. Um, how can Notre Dame even begin? That to sounds like an ad read, Pete. You should be doing these. Yeah. <laughs> um, out of, did you watch the Duke-Notre Dame basketball game last night? Because it turned into, since the game on the court wasn't that dramatic, it turned into Dick Vitale and Bob Wischusen basically debating back and forth Um about what kind of game this was, and it, there was certainly no, uh, a, a shtick going on bet- between the two of them, with Dick Vitale even saying, Notre Dame would have scored in the 50s if Ian Book didn't fumble in the end zone, which isn't true because they wouldn't have gone to overtime. But um, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I do think it's funny you bring that up, like the, the Tuesday press conference of Notre Dame players, because, I mean, I get their kind of amusement at it all. Like, like we did just beat this team, right? Like, Okay, maybe we're well, underdogs. I mean, were, so were you, were you on the calls? I, I on watched Tuesday? them after. I wasn't there asking okay. questions. I mean, so like, uh, like Gene Wojciechowski from ESPN asked Dalen Hayes sort of, I'll paraphrase the question. It was basically like, you know, there are moments for programs when they sort of announce that they've arrived on the national stage. And like, do you think that this game for Notre Dame is one of those moments? <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of a dramatic question, but I get it. And Dalen Hayes' answer was like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was just dead air until they moved on to the next question. Like it was Notre Dame is not Notre Dame is not here to play with your narratives. Jason Witten, man of the year finalist, Dalen Hayes, well deserved, one of only three. Um great career, great story on and off the field. But it reminds me, this whole kind of you know, question line of questioning reminds me of ACC Media Day, I guess the last one they would have had, which was in twenty nineteen when Clemson's the defending national champion. And I don't remember what the heck they were talking about at SEC Media Day. I think someone in Alabama said, you know, George is the toughest team we played last year, blah, 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 even though Clemson mm-hmm. ran them off the field. And John Simpson from Clemson's like, well, we beat Alabama by 28 and Notre Dame by 27. So I guess Notre Dame was the toughest team we played. Like, why are we why are we sitting here <laughs> defending how good we are when we're the reigning national champions? And, like, different levels, because we're not talking about a championship, but, like, 
yeah, if you're Notre Dame, like, the whole, like, can they do it? Like, we already know they can. And, again, that's why I'm very intrigued by this game. Like, you're kind of throwing history out here. You're just putting two good teams on a football field and saying, go at it for, for 60 minutes. Um, and I'm with you as far as the defensive line point. Like, that was a revelation. I mean, that was – every coach I talked to that week was – Look, if Cherry Tillery couldn't stop these guys and he was a first-round pick, what the heck is Notre Dame going to do this year? And they were mm-hmm. great. I mean, that game became a test of wills and endurance and depth because in the end, they won it in double overtime because they completely wore down. Clemson could not even fall forward straight by the end of that. I mean, it literally came right. down to strength for strength, and you have to feel good about that if you're Notre Dame defensively. Now, it's going to be – Different, both mentally and physically, when you have Trevor Lawrence back there. And, you know, the players said this this week. It's true. Trevor Lawrence is a hell of a runner. He doesn't get nearly enough credit yeah. for that. He can strain your defense a lot of different ways with his legs. And he seems to be more um, more willing to take off now uh, instead of just sitting back there trying to run the, the play that's called for him and, and make the right decision. I mean, that's that's a, a, a wrinkle to this that, that you did not really have to worry about uh, last game. Conversely, I mean, I think – think the offense will I don't want to say I think the offense will play better because yeah yeah that, that was a weird offensive game you score a touch on your first drive you score a touch on your last drive there were a lot of missed opportunities in I between think they went I think they went 59 minutes of game time between offensive touchdowns right which is like all this is hard to do and win a game and it was against it was with a really good offensive line really good running backs going up against a defense that again you eventually wore down but it took every ounce of effort to get there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know where I stand on that as far as how will Notre Dame move the ball, how are they not move the ball. I mean, they threw a lot of surprises out that game. We talked about them. I mean, there is there's no such thing as too much um, – as played it too safe, so to speak, when preparing for Clemson as far as – like there is – it is like talking to people inside and outside that building, especially this week, like it's – no one's saying they're the New England Patriots, but like there's that paranoia effect of like, we've heard they've done this, we've heard they've done that. Do they do it? Probably not, but we can't really risk that. Like Tommy Reese's phone was ringing off the hook after the first game because they were like, How'd you do that? You ran stuff you didn't run all year against these guys. You went, mm-hmm. you know, under center. You, you were, you were, you asked Brian Kelly about this last week about like rematches. Like, how much more do you have to? change so to speak now that they know what you can do yep. and you know what they can do and you know he gave the diplomatic look it's about the players since they're all really good and coaches aren't going to decide this game kind of answer but i am curious to see what Notre Dame's offense does what it looks like um if they've learned anything from what were not the smoothest second and third quarters uh against a really banged yeah. up defense that won't be so banged up anymore I think that's is really. I mean, there's many things that fascinate probably both of us about this game, but like how Reese adjusts the second time around is is pretty high on my list. Um, and also, you know, one thing that it didn't really take off last uh, last game, in part because Kyrie Williams scored out of the gate and then Notre Dame was up on them early. But I'm curious if they try to control pace of play like a little bit more deliberately than they did last time to keep Trevor Lawrence off the field. Um, I never got the sense that that was an intentional move on December or on November 7th. But I think on Saturday that might make more sense to do. Um, you know, I thought I thought that they would try to do it at North Carolina. They didn't do it really do it there either. So 
maybe this is just not really in Reese's book and it's just kind of one of those like media talking points that doesn't make any sense to a football coach. But I I'm just sort of interested if Tommy Reese helps Clark Lee play defense um, by keeping the ball away from Lawrence at, deliberately, at least in a few spots. I wonder that as well, because I thought that would be more of the case going into that game. And it, it, maybe they never got a chance to do that because they were playing from ahead, but they didn't really do that. Yeah. Um, that Clemson defense, though, is going to be different. Defensive tackle Tyler Davis is back. Defensive end Xavier Thomas, who missed the first half because of targeting the week before, is back. Linebacker Mike Jones Jr. is back. Linebacker James Skalski is probably the most important of those players. TBD. The Brent Fedables didn't really want to go there publicly just yet. I would imagine that means even if he does play, he won't be 100%. But I do think, uh, and Venables made this comparison this week, You know, he's a little like the in-book of that defense as far as directing traffic, improving every single year, and being a guy you can count on to make the right plays. And that matters when you're going up against an offense that is 1-0 against you this year. So we'll see about that. Offensively, Justin Nagata, the, the wide receiver, is out. Mario Rogers and Cornell Powell have, have made that almost a moot point, as has Travis Etienne through the passing game this year. Um, but, yeah, well, I mean, I, I could see this going a number of different ways. I really can. I don't – I. yeah, I, I, I can't speak for Notre Dame players themselves or, or the coaching staff. And I rarely venture into this this territory, but I think that ten and a half point point spread is insulting to Notre Dame. I really do. I mean, oh yeah, one hundred. I don't being underdog the first time. I get you know you hadn't proven you can win at this stage yet, and frankly, I didn't know if they could do it. And now, obviously, I know they can. Um, but ten and a half. I mean, I, I get. I think the line Clemson by a touchdown. I think is fair when you get Trevor Lawrence back. I that's I, what I thought it was ten going and to be. a half. I just. And to the credit, I mean, I looked this up before, 57% of the bets and 71% of the money are on Notre Dame. So it's not exactly – the public isn't as anti-Notre Dame, pro-Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be a tale of two games kind of kind of story. I mean, the public seems to be pouncing on this mm-hmm. as well. So I'll be curious if there are any movements. But um, you mentioned this as well in your Q&A with Grace. Dabo Sweeney's argument for a two-loss Clemson to get in without any real defining wins, because that Miami one doesn't hold any weight anymore – very Notre right. Dame, like that's something Notre Dame can relate to in years past. As far as yeah, it was, I mean, it's really like Notre Dame has lived in the like, but we have a great loss territory way too often over the last five or six years, going back to 2014, I think. You know, with the loss of Florida State. Now Notre Dame's now they've got the best win in college football, um, and frankly, even if they lose this weekend, they'll have the best loss in college football. So it's uh, that that is sort of why I think Notre Dame and Clemson are going to keep each other up assuming Clemson wins but I I gotta say if you, if you just take the color schemes away and the name off the jersey I'm not sure what the argument Clemson has after a second loss to Notre Dame because of the Miami win which is not very impressive in hindsight and that's it they didn't play you know they would have been better served by having played North Carolina I'm sure they could have won that game um, but there's just not a lot of there there if they lose to Notre Dame on Saturday. Barely escaped Boston College. Almost struggled with Syracuse for two and a half quarters. Well, I guess Notre Dame did the same, so there's nothing with that. But other than that Georgia Tech game, I mean, the Virginia game was a good game for two and a half quarters. Yeah. Like, I'm being very nitpicky here. Clemson won all those games, with the exception of the BC one, pretty comfortably ultimately. But I don't, I don't see a compelling argument for – the two lost Clemson team 
especially if Florida beats Alabama, which I don't think has a chance in hell of happening. But if it does, I think you take two. Dan Mullen said it was happening today. I don't know if oh, you missed that quote, okay. Matt. Well, he, he said a lot of things this week. He's not, he's so, not a Some have made more sense uh, than others. Former Notre Dame GA, Dan Mullen. Um, yeah. <laughs> everyone's a former Notre Dame GA. If Florida were to win, I don't. I, I take two loss Florida over Clemson on resume. You got that would be the best win in college football. I mean, a win over Alabama undefeated. Um, assuming Florida doesn't win, you got Alabama, you got Notre Dame, you have Ohio State. Although, you think the committee will put a five and one Ohio State in with a close loss to a top fifteen Northwestern team? Just wait and find out because they might. Um, wouldn't surprise me either. But you have Ohio State, Notre Dame, Alabama. Who's your four team if Clemson loses? I mean. Has A&M blown me away this year? No, but that win over Florida is better than anything that Clemson has to show for itself, and their only loss is to the best team in the country, which they've done to everyone they've played so far, Alabama. Cincinnati, I would love to see it. I think there's a better chance of me and you calling plays for Clemson and Notre Dame this week than there is of Cincinnati ever getting in the playoff under this current system. Um, and then what? I mean, is there even... You're leaving out USC? Uh, like, I, I would put US... Undefe- undefeated Pac-12 champion? If you put... Ohio State in at 6-0, and I would put 6-0 and USC in over two loss Clemson if you're going to do that with Ohio State. Do I think they're one of the four best teams in the country? No, but I think if we're going to open that Pandora's box with Ohio State, we might as well do it. And hey, Notre Dame USC playoff game. Who wouldn't want to awesome. see that? At the Rose Bowl maybe. Yeah. I mean, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Let's do it. I'd put them in over yeah. two loss Clemson uh, if Ohio State's getting in. I think that's – I mean, I know fair has nothing to do with it in college football, but I think that's fair. Um, so, I don't know. It's a, I mean, Tim Bray, you might have heard of him uh, if you've been a Shamrock listener this week, had another classic tweet this week, which really, I think, uh, shined a different kind of light on this run Clemson is in. And it was, if Clemson wins this week – Dabo Swinney will join John Wooden as the only men's basketball or football oh, coach to make six straight Final Fours, which is absurd. Yeah. Just absurd. It's pretty wild. Like Nick Saban hasn't done that. He came close last year, but Nick Saban hasn't done that. Yeah. that uh, that I mean, hey, look, this is – as many games as Notre Dame has won over the previous four years, Clemson is like the ultimate serial winner right now, um, you know, more than Alabama even. So it's it's – I guess it. I don't know. Do you sort of view this as like, well, Clemson literally cannot make the playoff every year. Like that can't be a reality. At some point, they're not going to make it. Um, or are they just so accustomed to winning these kinds of games that they're going to view Saturday as no problem? I'm, I'm not sure how I see that. Nor and nor do I think Notre Dame is going to be overwhelmed by any kind of moment on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean especially through our reporting on that last story November. I mean, I think the one commonality that we, we gathered from coaches who play Clemson is like this group gets on the field and like they're just locked in and have fun and play for each other like no other, win or lose. Like there's there's something that Dabo has injected into those program, that those players where like their energy level and their, their want to and their love for the game just shines through when you play against them. So I, I have a hard time seeing Clemson coming out and feeling the, the – burden so to speak of we need to win or else we're out um, I can guarantee you if Clemson does lose we will hear from the rest of time from our friends in SEC country Clemson only made it that far every year because they were at a bad conference and look what happened when you put one good team in there they lost twice and they didn't make it um, that's probably already a conversation happening in another part of the country um, but I, I don't I don't know if I can get behind 
I mean, I, again, I don't think either team is 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 going to be weighed down or buoyed by anything coming into this game. I think this is a, a just a good game between the second and third best teams in the country, and maybe if we're lucky, we'll get a third one um, later on, which would be pretty cool too. Because I don't I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of college football. December eleventh only, though, please, or uh, January eleventh only on that one. I don't want I don't want to see no I don't want to see back to back games. I think that would mean because of. I think this is right that Clemson would have played Notre Dame in three of its last five games <laughs> if they played again. So I'm ha- I'm happy to pass on that one. At least put it off to the national championship game in Miami. Although in this in this year of curse breaking and karma reversals, how great would it be to see Notre Dame win the national championship against Alabama? At, in the same That's stadium right. where they played in 2012. That's right. I mean, we already have the beating number one for the first time since 93, the uh, alleged curse of the Boston College game the week after, um, really sort of checking off the boxes of of important milestones that Notre Dame has not hit. So, I mean, let, let's not go – Let's why not go all the way here, guys? Let's, let's go for Alabama in uh, Hard Rock Stadium on January. You know what other Blue Blood won its first title this year since 1988? Los Angeles Dodgers. That's right. Uh, I remember when that came out. People were like very excited about it. The like, hey guys, the it's funny you bring up that that stadium, right, which I had yet to put two and two together until you said it. Uh, I was in that stadium two years ago for an Alabama game against uh, Oklahoma, and a uh, certain former Notre Dame defense coordinator pulled me aside at media day, saying, "Matt, is this the game where we lost to Alabama? And the stadium looks a little different. I don't remember it." <laughs> That man is Bob Diaco, who is now available to hire for D.C., Notre Dame, if you wish to. Um, to Bob Diaco's credit, there were uh, massive renovations done to what was then Sun Life and I believe now Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Correct. Gardens. It does look and feel a lot different. It's a cool venue. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my segue into talking about defensive coordinators where you have Notre Dame Northwestern now after Mike Hankowitz let it slip in an interview that he's retiring. He said – because according to Northwestern, he thought it was already out there. He told his players and <laughs> told his players and coaches at the beginning of the year, and it makes sense now because they all choke up when they're talking about him all year. Uh, and Purdue now also in the market for a defense coordinator. I know Bob Diaco would crawl on broken glass to come back to Notre Dame. I know that's saying a little less when you're already in the state of Indiana. Uh, but he has a kid there, still close to Brian Kelly. Uh, I think I personally think it ends then. Um, I don't know if you know or have heard different. I don't see that as an option for Notre Dame. Uh, no, I you know I think he'd have a better chance at Northwestern. I don't think he has a chance at Northwestern either. But okay, <laughs> but I still would say that would be a better chance. Okay, well, was it for lack so, of effort I, last time, as we both know? <clears throat> no, I mean I really sort of view Notre Dame's job like one. There's no rush to nope. do it. Signing day is come and gone. You know, Prince Colley was the four-star linebacker from Tennessee that Clark Lee did a great job recruiting. They kept him on board and signed him. So. They're not in a position where they really have to like, all right, we gotta hurry this up to to save a class. So that that's good. They have some some time there. I don't I haven't really heard a lot of intel about where Brian Kelly is leaning on this one. Um I don't know if we talked about this early in the week or not, but I the more I like sort of kick the tires on Marcus Freeman at Cincinnati, the more I really like. Um, you know, is he gonna be a head coach before he can be defensive coordinator at Notre Dame? That's possible. But um, experience linebacker, you know, runs multiple schemes. I talked to Justin Williams, who covers Cincinnati for the Athletic. 
Freeman has a lot of uh, autonomy to do different things there. Um, also has beaten Navy, I believe, multiple times. So it's you know that's important at Notre Dame when they go back to playing Navy again. So I, and obviously would fit well with Mike Mickens and um, I think sort of knows the culture of Notre Dame a little bit too. So it, I don't know if that's where they'll go. Um, there's I think there's just a ton of moving parts still, you know, and Clark Lee will, may influence that. Let's say Clark Lee makes Terry Joseph his defensive coordinator, Vanderbilt, and Terry Joseph says yes, um, then that is going to reshuffle things all over the place for Notre Dame. I don't. I don't really know where that's all going to go, but um, you would think that Clark Lee's impact on Notre Dame probably has, didn't end at Clark Lee leaving for Vanderbilt. No, I mean, someone will go with him to Vanderbilt, whether that we're talking about operation staffers, recruiting staffers, or full-time defensive coaches. Um, I can't imagine a guy who's that beloved and, and that respected um, by pretty much everyone in the Goog isn't going to have some kind of influence on, on where those guys end up because I think a lot of people would love to be part of what he's trying to start at the ground level at Vanderbilt. I mean, we, I think we said the name Nick Lezinski. I mean, they're really close. I'd be shocked yeah. if he's not either Notre Dame's linebackers coach or Clark Lee's linebackers coach at Vanderbilt next year. Um, he knows the place inside and out and has absolutely paid his dues and and been a real difference maker for their program. He obviously was a, a former walk-on player totally with agree. his brother. Um during the uh, Manti Teo days as well. Um, Freeman, I think, would be a home run. I mean, as much as you can throw that word around when talking about coordinators, um, I don't know if you can possibly get better than him unless there's some, <clears throat> excuse me, 11th hour uh, replacement that comes on the market unexpectedly. I mean, I just think he's – there's a reason we're talking about him as a potential head coach at the age of 34, 35, whatever he is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I – I don't think Illinois is at the point where they're going to call him up and interview him to become their head coach. Uh, but if you're Illinois, you have to do that now because if he becomes a Cincinnati head coach, guess what? His next stop is not going to be Illinois. It's going to be like a Notre Dame or something like that way down the yeah. road. Uh, but, but you know, there's a familiarity there with the staffs. Um, they've played outstanding, especially this year, uh, but pretty much his whole time there. Um, everyone I talk to about him, everyone you talk to about him, uh, says he's the real deal, um, and I think that's that also would say something about Notre Dame. Not that they really need to make a statement um, when they're a program that's going to be in their second playoff in three years, but mm-hmm. if you can get that guy, who's the number probably the, the hottest group, def, I would say definitely the hottest group of five coordinator out there right now on either side. Yeah, um, that that's another announcement to the rest of the world. Like we're not playing around here. Um, we were able to get this guy. I think Seth Wallace could be interesting at, at Iowa too. Um, he has a little bit of roots in the Illinois area. He comes from a coaching family. Um, they always have good defenses up in Iowa City. Um, I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of familiarity between him and that staff, but I do know you you, you, know, you mentioned him in your story earlier this week, and, and I could see him being a fit there as well. But I don't think this – I mean, I don't think you need to be in a rush right now if you're Notre Dame unless you have your no. guy and you want to get him immediately. I mean – Clark Lee's still with you, so you're not sacrificing anything in the short term, um, which is obviously incredibly important when we're talking about a championship race. And the, the carousel, as crazy as it's been the last few days, it's only going to get crazier. Um, I'm sure some of the people playing in games this week, particularly the Group of Five level, will not be in their current spots um, come next mm-hmm. week and, and are waiting to finish out their regular seasons before they move on to bigger and better things. And then, you know, there's the whole NFL carousel that will – uh, rear its ugly head in a couple weeks as well. But I, I just don't think – that. I mean, 
you obviously got to do your homework and think about it if you're Brian Kelly, but I just don't think this is anything you need to – I don't look at it as a pressing issue right now. I don't. It's fun for us to talk about. You need to be aware of the marketplace right. out there, uh, but I just don't think um, – I don't think it's, it's going to happen anytime soon. No, no, I don't think so either. I think it's going to be into into January before, unless unless they go internal, right. unless they sort of do the Elston Joseph combination, or maybe Elston or maybe Joseph. I'm not really sure, but and if you did that, then you provoke Lozinski and you're good. Um, but until you're done playing, Clark Lee is your defensive coordinator, so there's not there's just not a lot of upside there about bringing in somebody as a new analyst. I right. think um, as if that's going to really help you, maybe. That just, I think the upside there is low. It just it creates a bunch of awkwardness. So, um, I don't know if we need to talk a whole lot about recruiting. It kind of was what uh, we, it was. Tyler Buckner, need, the headliner, a quarterback. Well, there's another headliner, a quarterback as well. But we need to yeah. talk about Caleb Johnson and Rocco Spindler's videos, which are the two greatest <laughs> things I've seen on the internet in the history of the internet. Caleb Johnson's especially. I mean... That, that was so funny. I showed it to my wife because I'm like, even she will find this funny. And she doesn't care about these social video football stuff at all. And she was like, yeah, that was pretty good. That was amazing. So, you know, th- those were excellent. I love both of them. Caleb Johnson's was amazing. I, I mean, it had everything. It had, like, the farm boyness. <laughs> it had the food. It had the truck, which had, like, more dents on it than, than my CRV does. Yeah, I mean, why, why was there a black X on it? Like, I wanted more detail about this random it black X. Like, it, had every, it, it had his blocked-out siblings who didn't want to be a part of it, but yeah. he made be a part of it anyway. Uh, that was awesome. I mean, that was – I can roll my eyes with the best of them at some of the signing day uh, theatrics, if you will, um, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to – I would just say, without naming names, Notre Dame has had some offensive linemen who really um, embrace the recruiting part of it and not so much the football part of it. And it doesn't always, well, never works out, I think, in that case once they get to college. Uh, but, hey, these were awesome. Um, is, yeah. Have fun with it. It's becoming O-line you if it isn't already. Um, I, I just I got a kick out of it. I really did. Yeah, Notre Dame really back-to-back with very strong signing day videos yes. uh, from their creative department. But uh, I, I I did wonder as they were had like the Mario Brothers coins, like if those pl- if those guys know what Super Mario Brothers actually That's is. Fair. That's fair. I mean, they did have enough emojis where like even I was like, what's that emoji mean? Because this must be like the cool thing to do if you're a teenager right now. But th- it works the other way as well, the Mario Brothers. That's a good point. All right, predictions. What do you got on Saturday? So, 51 degrees, partly cloudy. I'm sure people wish it was in South Bend because I'm looking out at went at snow right now in Chicago, as I'm sure you are. Same in, in South, South Bend. Bend. Um, I wonder if there's a trophy presentation either way on the field, as we talked about off air mm. with any of these games, given all the restrictions. Uh, but I'm going to go Clemson 34-27. I think Trevor Lawrence is worth a touchdown. I think the combination of Trevor Lawrence and everything they got back is worth a touchdown. I expect it to be a good game. I expect it to be decided very late. Um, I don't expect to think any uh, any less of Notre Dame coming out of this game with a loss, if, if that makes sense. I mean, it's again, they've won this game before, so if they were to lose it, right. it's not, hey, they can't win the big one. No, they can win the big one. We already know they can win the big one. Um, they're just – going to get beat by a better team on that day uh and i th- i think that happens. i, uh, I am very close i had 33 27 um yeah so same point total f- holy cow 
You, well, actually, well, the over-under is 60. So on the fence you've got there. the push. But I've yeah, got the over. S- same point total for Clemson in regulation. <laughs> uh, and Notre Dame just a touchdown less. Um, I've, I'm a big what would make the most sense outcome prediction. Does it make more sense that Notre Dame would sweep Clemson yes. or split with Clemson? And I think split. Uh, and, I, and I may even predict that, you know, if Notre Dame had lost to Clemson the first time around, I, I would not be hesitant to right. predict Notre Dame to win the second time around. I just think that these are two great teams, um, and splitting the games makes the most sense to me because then they'll both be in the playoff. I think that also makes the most sense, that the eye test would tell you Clemson is one of the four best teams, but they have to have the record to prove it. Um, and if they beat Notre Dame on Saturday night, then Clemson and Notre Dame would be tied for having the best win in college football this year. And I think that – that also makes a lot of sense too. So they both go on to the playoff, uh, and at that point, hopefully, we don't see them on January one. But I would be fine with Clemson Notre Dame Part Three on January eleven. Yeah, I mean, it's you did say preseason you're sticking to your guns. You had Notre Dame beating Clemson once this year, um, and you don't have them beating them twice. Uh, I, I, I'm very much of the the make sense thing as well. I don't think. As much better as Notre Dame's offense has gotten, I don't think you get the defensive touchdowns you got last time. I don't think you move the ball as efficiently against a full deck of cards with this Clemson defense as you did last time. And listen to Brian Kelly talk, and it was you know kind of funny to hear him get asked about, like, well, you've had rematches in D2. What's it like? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know how applicable – or translatable, it's, those are? It's not. Okay. Yeah, let me answer that for you. I, mean, I, I played my brother Madden a lot. We've yeah. we've had our share of wins and losses over the years. Um, I, I do think there's something to be said for, like, we know each other better. Like, there, there aren't going to be as many mistakes. Clemson, I don't think, is going to give away points the way they did last year. Or, excuse me, last time. Um, I don't know if Notre Dame keeps – getting the ball downfield as much as they did yeah. last time. No, I mean, I don't think Ian Book's going to fumble at the 5 yard right, line either. Right, right. No, so, I don't. You know. um, but I think – I just think it's going to be a much – the game is going to be much closer to the vest than it was the first time yes, around. And like yes. Brian Kelly says it favors the defenses. I sort of almost view it more as like it favors conservative coaches or, or it leads to coaches being more conservative. Yeah. Like I think Notre Dame went out the first time around. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to break tendencies. We're going to go for it. We're going to take shots. I don't think that they do that this time around because they don't feel like they have to anymore. So. No, I, I agree. Um, Clemson, same point total for you and one more for me that they had in regulation last game. I think that's the difference with Trevor Lawrence there, yeah. uh, which is buoyed by the fact that, or I should pull down by the fact that, you know, you have a defense that knows they can get after him and beat him, um, or at least beat Clemson. But I just, yeah, I, I, I I don't think this game gets out of control either way. I don't think it's sloppy. Um, I just think it's going to be I, tight. Yes, I, I I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, I just I, I don't think either one of these teams is that much better than the other where it would swing wildly in either direction. I totally agree. All right, well, we will uh, reconvene this podcast on Saturday evening. And I can tell you we will have an A-list guest lined up, Grace Rayner from uh, the Clemson Beat. On the athletics, she'll be joining me in the press box to sort of break this down. Is the ACC network going to be there? Because if so, we could have like every guest we had on this year all yeah. in one pod. It'll be like one big Zoom. Jordan Cornett, every- Eric McLean, <laughs> bring in Mark Richt. 
Yeah, no, it'd just be good. Kirk Herbstreit. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe if he's around, I don't know, he'll be in the stadium, so maybe he'd be available this time. Uh, but yeah, we will be back on Saturday to recap what we hope is a uh, epic game part two. Notre Dame Clemson uh, from Bank of America Stadium, 4 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. But Matt and I will be back with a, a potpourri of guests uh, on, on Saturday evening to break down, which should be an awesome game. So until then, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us for the latest episode of The Shamrock. Shamrock.